This week on Yud, on Yud Kislev is the yard site of Rebbe Zam Meltzer, the Rosh Hashiva of Eitz Chaim in Yerushalayim. Rebbe Zaman was born in 1870 in the city of Mir, where his father was a Rav, but did not practice Rabbanus as a living. Rather, he made his own living as a businessman. When Rebbe Zaman was a youngster, he learned at home in the Mir, in the city of Mir, and then he moved to learn in Yeshiva Valajim, where he became a student of the Nitziv, as well as Reb Chaim. It's reported that in Valajim, they used to give titles to different people. There was a person who was an Ilui, a person who was a Chatsi Ilui, a person who was an Ilui of the Iluyim, but they say that when they spoke about the Ilui of the Yeshiva, they were referring to Rebbe At a very young age, he went to Slabotka to become a Raman Yeshiva together with his brother-in-law, Reb Moshe Mordechai Epstein. He stayed in the yeshiva of Slavatka for a short time, and then he moved to the city of Slutsk, where he became the Rav of Slutsk, and started a yeshiva in Slutsk. When the yeshiva started, the Rashi yeshiva, with whom Rebbe Sazam was friendly, were asked to send Talmidim Mitzuyanim, excellent students, to Slutsk, to become Gedolei Yisrael, to become Gedolim, learning in the yeshiva of Slutsk. The first group was known as a very small, elite group of people, some of whom I've had the privilege to know and respect. The ones that I personally had contact with came to America later, and one was known as Rav Henkin, one of the major postkin of America, Rav Palayov, who was a Rebbe in Yeshiva University for over 50 years, and Rabbi Rachman, the father of the Rabbi Emanuel Rachman, Rav David Rachman was a one of the the Slutsker Tamini. When Rav Peleyov was Nifter, so Rav Henkin came to the Levaya in Yeshiva University, and Rav Henkin said he talked about Sride Slutsk, those people that were left over from Slutsk. How many people were still alive from the Yeshiva of Slutsk? Eventually, Rav Zizaman went on Aliyah in 1925, where he became the Rosh Yeshiva of Eitzchayim. One of his grandchildren, wrote a biography of Rebbe Sezalmin and the history of the time, Derech Eitz all about the Yeshiva, all about Rebbe Sezalmin, and it's a very important historical work that can be used to understand a lot of that period in Jewish history, as well as the life of Rebbe Sezalmin. Rebbe Sezalmin himself was part of a remarkable family. He had one son named Rebbe Meltzer, who became one of the great Tanakh scholars of Eretz Israel, one of the people who was most responsible for publishing the Das Mikra, the commentary that on Tanakh, published by Mossad Rav Kook. And, of course, it's well known that one of the daughters of Rabbi Sezalman married Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda, married Rabbi Aaron Cutler. Rabbi Cutler, Rabbi Aaron, is the son-in-law of Rabbi Sezalman. Another one of Rabbi Sezalman's sons became the Rav of Ruchavot, Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda Meltzer, who was the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshivat HaDarom. He had started his career in Pardes Chana, where he was a Rav in Pardes Chana. And in fact, there was a, 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 a Kletzker Yeshiva, which had evolved from Rabbi Aaron Cutler's stay in Pardes Chana at that time. The Talmidim of Rabbi Sezalman are, are world famous. There are many Talmidim who consider themselves to be completely on the derech 
of Rebbe Sezalman who look at him as their Rebbe Mufa. Some of the people are Rav Shach, Rav Shlomo Zalman, were all Talmidim of Rebbe Sezalman. The stories about Rebbe Sezalman are famous for his concern for people, his sitkus, and worrying about other people's feelings. A story was told how a little boy went into bother with Mrs. Zaman and asked him questions. And apparently it was obvious that he was just really bothering with Mrs. Zaman. And he kept answering, kept talking, until finally he walked out of the room and somebody followed him to see what was he doing. Why did he walk out? And he was saying to himself, even Ketanya. He said, you should respect the dignity of other people as much as you would want people to be worried about your dignity. And he said, that, appear, that applies to children as well. Perhaps for a second, Rabbi Zaman was on the verge of losing his temper a little bit, and he tried to overcome by, control, by self-control to show how much he cared, and which, which shows how much he cared for other people. It happens to be that today, someone, a chassid, told me a story about Rabbi Zaman which I'd like to share with you. And I also found that it's a story that reflects his sensitivity for other people. The person in question told me today that Rabbi Zaman once visited the Belzarebi. We had started a conversation about davening one time. When Rabbi Zaman visited the Belzarebi, he went with a few of his students who probably were somewhat like Shamashim, they probably were taken care, and they visited the Belzer. Now the Belzer, of course, the Hasidic Shemebbe, well, got involved in one thing, got involved in another, and it seems that the time for Mincha was about to pass. Shkia. The Misnagdim are very careful about having before Shkia. Generally, the Hasidim are not as meticulous. So, some of the people said to Rebbe Zalman, it's time for Mincha, it's almost Shkia, we should get up to David. Allegedly, Rebbe Zalman said, we're in the house of the Belzer, we daven together with the Belzer. Whenever the Belzer Rebbe davens, that's when we daven. And indeed, he did. The Hidavin Mincha, it seems to me, rather late according to the story, way after Shkia. But that was the custom of the Belzerebbe, and Rebbe in his house, would deport himself the same way. On the other hand, sometimes Rebbe was rather revolutionary in his approach. I also came across recently a tshuva of Rabbi Vadi Yosef, who discusses the famous question why women bench licht on Shabbos before making the bracha. The custom should be that to make the bracha before you light the candles, because all the brachas are mitzvah, all brachas before your mitzvah should be made, should be made before you do the mitzvah, not just before, immediately before. And the custom, the prevailing custom that I'm aware of is that people, the women make the, light the candles and afterwards make the bracha. And the general assumption is the reason to do that is because women assume that they are mekabal Shabbos with Hadlaka Samir, and if they would make the bracha beforehand, they would think the Kabbalah Shabbos is with the bracha. And once you made the bracha and were Makabal Shabbos, you couldn't light the candles. Rav Avadya was asked, is this a proper custom? And Rav Avadya pointed out that the Rambam says, like Friday night candles, just like by any other mitzvah, you must do the mitzvah before, you must do the, make the bracha just before you do the mitzvah. And of course the Rambam says in one place in Hilchazishus that if a person already fulfilled the mitzvah, Again, in Hilchus Brachas, Perak the Ram says the same thing. If a person does the mitzvah and afterwards makes the bracha, the Ram says it's a bracha levatala. It's it not only is not is not effective, but actually you're saying taking God's name in vain. So why do we do our practice? 
we should have made the bracha before we do the mitzvah. So I said the reason is because women somehow feel that they're Mechabal Shabbos with the bracha. Rabbi Vadia said the Sephardi custom should not be that way. We follow the Rambam. And therefore he said the custom should be that Sephardi women should indeed make the bracha, have the intention of not being Mechabal Shabbos until they finish the Hadlaka, and then light the candles and be Mechabal Shabbos. He says there that he heard from a very reliable source that this was the custom of Rabbi Zalman, who instructed his family to follow the custom of benching lich by making the bracha first and lighting the candles after. Of course, the people connected with Yeshivat HaRetzion know that Rabbi Mital, a Rosh Hashiva, is married to the granddaughter of Rabbi Zalman. Rabbi Zin Amital, she should be well, is the daughter of Rabbi Tzvi Yehuda Meltzer, the son of Rabbi Zalman, who was the rabbi of Rechavah. I would be curious, I've never done it before, I would be curious to ask her what her custom is. Is this really the, a family tradition that Rabbi Zalman instructed women to make the bracha before they bench lit, before they bench lit? Rabbi Zalman wrote a sefer that's called Evan Ha'aza. It's a sefer on the Rambam. It began, he began printing it volume by volume, and it's on the sections of the Rambam, generally Nezikin, Kinyin, Mishpatim, Shofim. The heart of the Yeshiva Landis of Nezikin is found in those sections of the Rambam, and it's almost amazing that hardly any Rambam goes by, especially anything that seems difficult, the Rabbi Sazalman ignored. He went to grips, came to grips with every single difficult, almost every single difficult Rambam in Nezikin, Kinyin, Mishpatim, Shaftim. Later on, other volumes came out, including two volumes on Kachim, which apparently was the topic that he learned more in Eretz Israel than he learned in Chutz Laretz. At that time, Kachim was generally not learned. It's true that the Chafetz Chaim began the move to learn Kachim, but in Eretz Israel at that time there was more of a move to learn Kachim, especially perhaps in the Bethay Medrash of Bris. In the Briska tradition in, in Yerushalayim, they learned mostly Kachim. And Rabbi Sezaman at that time published his Sefer on Kachim, and another two volumes later came out on, on also on Hilchas Ishus and on, on uh, the beginning of the Rambam also on Madra and Ava, Zmanim. The Svarim obviously are classic in the world of Yeshivas. The name of the Sefer called Evan HaAzel would seem to be that Azel, he chose the name Evan HaAzel because Azel seems like the initials of Isazalman. And the custom of many Gedolim is to try to put their name into the title one way or another. Rav Zevin wrote an article about Rabbi Sezalman in his Sefer, Ishim Beshitos. In that Sefer, he said a different theory why Rabbi Sezalman called the Svarim Evan Azel. Whenever you open up a Sefer, Evan Azel, you'll see that not only is it called Evan Azel, but there is a little comment there. It says, Evan Azel, according to the Pasuk, the Yashavta, and he said there, a side comment, look in Rashi. What does Rashi say there? Rashi says, A stone, an even, which would be a sign for the people who are walking on the way. Apparently, Rav Zevin explained that Rabbi Sezalman, Rav Zevin calls him Hagaon, the intention of this particular Gaon was to give an example of the intellectual approach of learning Gemara as a sign for the whole Chedrachim, namely for the Tamini Chachamim, for people who are on the road to becoming Lamdanim, this would be a helpful sefer. Not only does it explain many sugyas and many Rambams, but it also gives you a certain approach to learning. 
I'd like to conclude with another story that I heard. Actually, I heard the story from Rav Gorin. In Yerushalayim, when Rav Gorin was a young man, he used to like to go around to different shiurim, to hear shiurim from the Gedolim of Yerushalayim, and he liked to argue with them. He said that one time, he used to go to Rabbi Sezalman and speak to him in learning. It was known that Rabbi Sezalman loved yeshiva boys and always talked to them in learning. And very often, Rabbi Gorin used to argue with him and try to schlug, try to reject his his arguments, his reasoning. And uh, the way Torah is, Melcham Torah, they had a, a sometimes a heated discussion about it, what it was. And Rabbi Gorin thought it was tremendously important in his growth and his learning to discuss things with Rabbi Sezalman. He said... Rav Gorin told the story that one day he heard that Rav, that Rav Zalman started to give shi'ar in yeshiva and Rav, Rav Gorin did not go to that particular shi'ar. And a person asked the question and Rav Zalman said, your question is so good, I'm canceling the shi'ar, I'm stopping the shi'ar now, we have to rethink it. Rav Gorin heard the story and ran to Rav Zalman. He wanted to hear what did what happened in the shi'ar that day that Rav, that, that Rav Zalman just gave up the shi'ar because of Akasha. So he asked, and Rav Zalman told him what the Shia was, and he told him the Kasha. Rav Goran said, I could answer that Kasha. I don't understand why you have to stop the Shia. Allegedly, Rav Zalman said to him, I could have answered the Kasha too. As soon as he asked the question, I thought of answers. But the truth is that I hadn't thought of that question beforehand. I realized I wasn't that well prepared. Even though I could have answered the Kasha, it showed me that I didn't feel the Shia was prepared enough to deliver in public. You see the modesty of Rav Zalman that for some question that he could have answered, but he stopped the shear and he gave the impression that somehow young, some young fellow had almost upstaged him in the world of learning. So Rabbi Zalman was known as a gong, but even perhaps more so, his sitkis and his love for people, taking care of people, worrying about people, were a tremendous reflection of his personality. His children, his grandchildren... His Talmudin perpetuate his memory, and his Sefer Eben Azel will certainly perpetuate his memory in the world of Yeshivas for many, many, many years. That is greater than anything else. Hoshivu Yeshiva Al Kivro, the Yeshiva is based on his Kever. The learning of the Sfarim Eben Azel will always be a memory to Ebbesazam.